0: What's up, everyone? Welcome to episode 37 of the Noise Podcast, brought to you by noise.co.uk and sponsored by Stereo Brain Records. I am your host slash your boy, Chris Pugh, and I am joined, as ever, by my very good friend and Mr. Cynical himself, Samuel Lewis. Mate, how are you? I'm well, mate. How are you? I'm very good, man. I'm glad to be back here in the saddle doing it yet again. Indeed, indeed. A lot of good things coming out in this podcast today. I can't wait to talk about them. We're a fortnightly rock and metal podcast. We are available on YouTube, Apple Podcasts, and Spotify. On the last episode that we did, we spoke about the absolute brilliance, A System of a damaged Toxicity, which came 16th in Sam's greatest metal album of all time list. There was album reviews on Havoc and Asking Alexandria, if you remember Sam's thoughts on that one, <laughs> as well as <laughs> Sam's interview with the malevolent vocalist, Alex Taylor. On this week's episode, we're going to hear Sam's 15th greatest metal album of all time. Me and Sam are going to discuss that. We've got, Album, um, EP review sorry, on Crossface Species and Bleed From Within's Fracture is our album review. And then at the end of this episode, we're going to have my Chris Meets David Sanchez feature. That is David Sanchez, the vocalist of Havoc, of which we reviewed their album on our last episode as well. On noise.co.uk at the moment, you can see Sam's written piece on Alex Tyler from Malevolence, as well as EP reviews on Search Cloudy Minds and Silver Loins, and the new Black Lab album, uh, Abyss. Now, you would have heard me mention, right as we come in, that we are sponsored by Stereo Brain Records. And yes, we are. Um, amazing opportunity for us. And I want to, first of all, thank Luke and everyone at Stereo Brain Records for wanting to jump on board with us. You might remember, actually, I interviewed Luke, the, one of the owners of Stereo Brain Records, a few months ago on one of the podcasts. And it's really sick to have them on board. Uh, somewhat similar to ourselves, Stereo Brain Records started up as like a blog that Luke wanted to do, very similar to Jack with Noise, and it became something much bigger. Uh, Starbrown Records now handle the Power Festival in Cardiff when, <laughs> when that can run again, and they've got a roster with the likes of Night Lives, uh, These Five Years, and The Nightmares on. And speaking of which, The Nightmares have got a new track out called The Falling Dream on Friday. But after my interview with David Sanchez on this episode, I'm going to be spinning their track, Life Won't Wait, just to give you a roundabout idea of the kind of band that they are and do check out their new track coming out this Friday called The Falling Dream. Sam, I don't want to wait any longer before we get into this podcast, uh, because we're going to go for a while here, I've got a feeling. Um, What is the 15th greatest metal album of all time? It is ACDC's Highway to Hell. Fascinating this, uh, because Mm. we have spoken at length uh, several times about the fact that classic music, for me, in terms of rock and metal, isn't really something that I vibe with outside yeah. of Metallica and Slayer, of course. Mm. So when you told me, oh, the next one we're going to do will be ACDC's Highway to Hell. So I was thinking to myself, right, I wonder, I wonder what I'm going to get out of this because Guns and Roses was one thing, 1989, but this is going like 1979 now. So it's like yes. another, another 10 years backwards. And I've got to say, like, before I listened to it, I was a bit wary about whether this one would just sound too dated for me. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, as was I knowing you. However, doesn't really sound dated at all, really, does it? Like, (laughs) when you you listen back to it, like, and I'm sure we're going to go into full detail on a, a mass amount of thoughts each, but you can, like, legitimately draw a direct line between Appetite for Destruction and this, can't you? Like like seriously, <laughs> there is like the most yeah. easy to see straight up line between those two records. And I love that. And it's been great for me because you told me before, and we've had this conversation about like, In heavy metal, everything starts with Sabbath, and then those lines go down, and then next in the pyramid, and then next in the pyramid, and eventually you can draw every heavy metal band back to Sabbath, if you just go back up the pyramids. Mm -hmm. And just first immediate thoughts on Highway to Hell, it would appear to me that you could do the same thing with Hard Rock and this album.
1: No, I don't think you're that far off at all. Um... It, 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 you can you can absolutely the, the one of the reasons that this is in here, and I think uh, one of the arguments going in was well, technically it's a hard rock album, stamp. So why is it the fifteenth? Me- <laughs> well, actually, if if because of this album we got Guns and Roses and Metallica, then its contribution to metal is larger than well, actually eighty six other metal albums, according to me. So um that that's one of the main reasons why this is in here. But you're absolutely right. So you can you can draw a line not just between ICDC and Guns N' Roses, between ICDC Metallica, between ICDC and Pantera, between ICDC and Pearl Jam, between ICDC and Smashing Pumpkins, between ICDC and Down, between, you know what I mean? The, the, the list goes on of, of like, the ICDC are one of the gateway bands to rock and metal music ever. Um, not just Sabbath for Metal, ACDC to heavy music to guitar-based music, and if you look, um, if you look, if there's any doubt, if you listen to this album, and Pew, obviously you've listened to this um, probably for the first time in full in your entire life, I would that's, imagine. Yeah, yeah, that's correct. Yeah, um, when you listen to this album, it's not less heavy than Sabbath, it's not less heavy than Iron Maiden, it's not less heavy than Guns and Roses. Touch too much, walk all over you, and Highway to Hell, and Night Prayer are Heavy metal songs in all but name in terms of the guitar tuning, the way that the songs are structured, the lyrical content and the tone of the band. Um, the track's about hell. <laughs> the title track's <laughs> about going to hell. Um, it's about uh, There's so, several songs about alcoholism, about women, about sex and violence. Night Prowler is actually got them in a spot of trouble, which we'll talk about a little bit later. It's an interesting story there. Um, it's about creeping around at dark and night. And, and these, these themes and ideas are stereotypically heavy metal and hard rock themes. And then on top of that, um, the way that these songs are written, recorded and produced laid a blueprint for pretty much the entire 1980s. Um, you can draw every, every major band of the 80s, metal or otherwise, that made any sort of success from Guns N' Roses, Van Halen, Motley Crue, um, a plethora of others. Um, can be drawn back to ICDC's blueprint of the riff and the riff being the central production of of an album and the combination of that and the the lyrics and the choruses here are absolutely marvellous.
0: I might like another band to add into that kiss. Absolutely, man. For me. 100%. 100%. I think that... Because I, I actually always like the most when you pick an album that's not really my cup of tea necessarily because yeah it allows me to like really think objectively about a record which is sometimes the hardest and best thing to do when you're listening to something that you know not isn't isn't for you objectively, is one of the great, great albums of any time. So you've got to try yeah. and read between the lines and figure out why that would be. And objectively, this is an absolute monster of a record that in terms of like commercial hard rock, this is like top five of the pile. Like any- Absolutely. Absolutely. This is only bettered by ACDC's next album, Back in yeah. back. Yeah, I figured that would also rear its head at some point in the list. But I think ACDC... Indeed from the, hearing this album in full, and obviously I, I know a fair few of their other massive tracks, but this is the only album, album I've ever listened to in full. They just seem to encompass the idea of a 70s working man's band. Oh, Do you know absolutely. what I mean by that?
1: Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Just touring constantly um, and, and, play, and playing, and, and just the, the, the way that they structure structured the songs, the way that they're writing the
0: lyrics, and everything about them, really, you're absolutely right. Like, a lot of this record is centred around uh, Bon Scott's like, Lust for Women. Which yeah. that, that's not that's not like a new concept in the seventies, no, <laughs> or, or or even to this day actually, uh, or in st- any decade, oh, yeah. yeah, yeah, There's there's still bands that write songs, much less so now, thankfully, because good lord, the concept is tired by now. Indeed, but there is there's still the occasional band now that will write songs basically about the lust for a uh, for someone of the opposite sex or same sex or whatever. Yeah, um, but the way it's all structured on this album is it, actually uh, quite intelligent when you pick it apart, because if you listen to like beating around the bush and shot down in flames, I spoke to my dad about this. And I, and I was like, he said to me that obviously me and you living in the digital age, haven't yeah. quite got the cra- the grasping of like back in the seventies, you would go to the, you'd go to the pub with your mates and, and you'd, you'd hope to meet a girl there because yeah, Obviously, there was no such thing as, oh, I met her online. Like, I was introduced to her because I saw a friend request on Facebook or anything like that. So, yeah. Bon Scott's writing these jibes about girls like, being rejected or just trying to uh, get a woman into bed or something like that. And that was like a really prevalent part of social commentary in the 70s and 80s.
1: Yes, I I absolutely agreed. Uh, I mean, you just had to hope that one of the 15 girls at the same pub that you went to was one of the ones that you were going to fall in love with, otherwise you'd kind of screwed, weren't you? Legit. Um, But as well, what I think about Bon Scott, he's he's lost on a lot of ACDC fans, is is how how funny he is. Some of the the humorous writing in here is absolutely brilliant. One of my favourite lyrics um, is, I want it to be deep down inside like a hand in a velvet glove. (laughs) <laughs> uh, and also, it describes, her in tu- it describes the girl in Touch Too Much like a body of Venus with arms, which is so clever, because there's a statue of Venus in Rome, and her arms have been decayed off, and she's, it's the god Venus, uh, the god of beauty, but because of time, the arms have fallen off the statue.
0: That's so a really like, clever touch, that is. That's wicked. <laughs>
1: so her t- him turning around and saying, the body of Venus with arms, it's, it's funny. But at the same time, he's actually saying that she's like some statuesque goddess beauty. Um, but it's also like a, a, like a funny little uh, a cushion around that as well, which I think is fantastic. I think Touch Too Much is one of my all-time favourite hard rock or heavy metal songs. There's a riff in Touch Too Much where it's like, down, 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 da 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 And I fucking love that. Uh, and I think that e, those big E chords, those, oh, that's metal. Sabbath did that. Um, Slayer do that. Um, Metallica do that. This is the point. This is not, this is in the, this is in the same um, guitar tuning as Raining Blood, which says a lot about Raining Blood, in fairness. Yeah. But um, it's it just, just to point out the gravity and the weight of these. Um, and I agree with you. Um, the, the lust for women um on this is is bursting off off the page and off the songs. But I I think it's told with such a a wit and a humour that it's yeah. tongue in cheek. Yeah. Um like Shot Down in Flames is 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 quite amusing the way that he's just getting um where he's getting dumped In the same way that whole lot of Rosie was on a previous album um about a girl that's quite literally larger than life and he reads out her um the sizes, 39, 42, 56, like a so you've got it all. Um but this is exactly is exactly the same but it adds this extra sort of devilish touch um interestingly enough um just for the for the final night of the cough in terms of icdc are definitely an influence heavy metal band um icdc when they first came out people thought that icdc stood for um devil's children the dc and icdc stood for devil's children and they thought they were like some satanic cult band Right. Uh, when in actuality, they took the words ACDC off a sewing machine because it was <laughs> <laughs> it was the it was the plugs that you fit in. Okay. Uh, and, and additionally, um, the song Night Prowler uh, was adopted by the uh, murderer. Uh, Ramir, I think his name something Ramirez. I've got the article here. Richard Ramirez. I think his name is from Absolutely Right. Uh, yeah, Richard Ramirez talks about how much he loved the band and Highway to Hell was his favourite album. Um, in 1989, he was convicted of 13 murders. So he would sneak into the house and rape and murder several women. Jesus. He claimed that he claimed that he listened to um, Night Prowler as um, inspiration and ACDC got in a hell of a lot of hot water. Um, for that, uh, claiming that you know, if you hadn't listened to this song, he wouldn't have been a murderer. You know that, yeah, whole, that whole
0: bullshit. Yeah,
1: <laughs> like like he woke up a completely model citizen, heard Highway to Hell, and started immediately going to <laughs> going to women's houses at night time. It, it, it's it's astonishing. They've um, since denied it, saying, um, "Oh, it's actually just about visiting old girlfriends and not having sex and stuff." But the lyrics say things like, "You don't know that you can't feel the steel until it's hanging at your back." So unless you're stabbing your ex-girlfriends, I don't I don't think that quite. Um, they're, they're sidled away the for it. But either way is that ACDC got in trouble for, for lyrical content. ACDC were associated with the devil. ACDC wrote about songs about blood and going on a downturn towards Satan. ACDC wrote songs about, like, um, sneaking around in the dark and uh, drinking alcohol. And on top of that, it's heavy and it's massive. And, again, this is so, so, so influential. Um, ACDC were the first um, hard rock band I ever heard. They were like massively influential for me and opened up a doorway. And then the more I found out about them, the more articles I'd read from bands saying, like, oh, like one of the first albums I ever bought was ACDC. One of the first, like, the, the, the big 80s boom of metal, of Maiden and Guns N' Roses and Metallica and Slayer and Pantera and a plethora of other of these bands. Would not surprise me if like eighty percent of them their first favorite band was ACDC in the nineteen seventies. So either that or Led Zeppelin, and and that's that's the reason for that. That's why they're that's why they're here. And and this album has has lived forever. This is like forty years old. Crazy, wow. forty years old. It still sounds great. It still sounds great. And 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 I think um, as as well, it's a shame that Bon Scott happened to die um like six months after this album was Produced because we never really would have heard what I heard back in black would have said, like, which, in my opinion, would have been a superior vocalist in Bon Scott. But he leaves his legacy on this album, and ACDC have since patterned the way and, and, and perfected the blueprint of hard rock and, and heavy metal um, for years to come.
0: Luckily, the world has moved quite far on from. Like objectifying women musically and also in films, TV shows, etc. Oh, absolutely! Well, I, I think what's important about this album is you have to contextualise it with the time, and I, and I, I think that about a, a lot of parts of media and culture. When you look back, you have to contextualise it like with what how life was at that time, where unfortunately the world was nowhere near as progressive as it is now. And when you listen to basically what the, the great thing about this album, pick a song and you can like imagine a, a dance floor packed out in the 70s with couples dancing, right? Yeah. And like, yeah. I, can, I can just like picture like a club in the 70s with the DJ dropping the vinyl record on and couples doing like those kind of like 70s nightclub dancing that you would see if you watched like Saturday Night Fever or something like that. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, I see what you mean. Some and flares and weird yeah, hair and stuff. Yeah, man. And I just think, like, this album, and this doesn't sound like that much of a compliment in just the words, but I'll go a bit more in detail. I had so much fun listening to this album. I think that's what, like, this record is. It's yeah. such, a, such a good time listen. And I think my favourite track on it is um, If You Want Blood. Oh, what a great song. Man, that is so, so infectious. The opening riff to that song. I literally cannot hear it without, like, wanting to air guitar along. It's brilliant. And, and Angus and Malcolm Young. haha, oh, what a combination. The best guitarist
1: duo of all time, Angus and Malcolm Young, in terms of a pairing. Fucking unbelievable.
0: Man, there's a part on If You Want Blood, and I'm assuming you've listened to this album so many times you'll know exactly what I'm on about. Yeah. I believe Angus is the lead guitarist. That's right, yeah. He's right. the one with the school uniform on. Angus comes in with the solo, this beautiful like spine-bending solo, while Malcolm's playing the main riff underneath. Yeah, so sick. Like, it's quite a simplistic trick, that is. But it's so brilliantly done, and it adds so much like, taste and flavour into that song. And then like, you've got like the gang choruses uh, on Highway yeah. to Hell, the title track, of course. Walk um, All Over You is a big one for that as well. Walk All Over You. You've got the gang repetition of Girls Got Rhythm, in The chorus yeah. of that song, the backing vocals on Touch Too Much. Like, there's just so much like massive anthemic rock in this album that it's so so infectious to listen to. Such yeah. like, like, if this, if we, if we were in 1979 right now, I would be like head over of heels, massively in love with this album. It yeah, only... should be our favorite album for like a uh, year, absolutely. It's only because. I got into alternative music so far past this album coming out. And I didn't start with this album. I started with like fucking Green Day. (laughs) Do you know what I mean? So that was like my first break into alternative music. That's why this album, like it's just, it's not specifically my cup of tea, but I still um, really, really like this record. I can see why it's so lauded critically. And did so well commercially. And ACDC are like literally the biggest rock band on the planet, aren't they? I? Like I remember, Andy yeah. Cop- I remember Andy Coppin saying the year that he had me booked at ACDC for download was the most stressful two months uh, leading up to the event in his entire life. Just Making sure that they got there and played because it was it was the download was completely sold out. I think Rage Against the Machine headlined as well that year. I can't remember the third band, but fucking hell, it's not a bad two, is it? Um Was it was it 2012? ACDC? Uh, uh my uh, my instinct is saying it would have been slightly before 2012, but I couldn't guarantee you. I'm not sure. If, if, okay. if I going to my head, I'd say 2010. But I, I can't I absolutely, no, you're absolutely right. It was, so, it was, it was 2010. Yeah, right, it was 2010. Um, this album, it's it's difficult to say like who you couldn't recommend this album to, isn't it? Because I think regardless of where you sit on alternative music spectrum, I, I really think it's hard to to listen to this album and not enjoy at least something yeah it's
1: it's universal this this album is because it it sits at the heart of if you enjoy rock music at all then this has everything uh it has massive choruses it has really hooky catchy um um riffs it has brilliant guitar solos side shout to angus young one of the great rock um, rock and roll league guitarists of all time is absolutely scintillating on this record yeah he's brilliant. Um, as, as, as well by the way and 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 the the album lets him shine. The band let him shine. That's always been brilliant about ACDC. The drums and the bass, just solid. They allow him to just come over the top and do his thing. And I, I love that. Um, but yeah, I agree with you. And the, to your earlier point, you were talking a bit about Green Day, about why about you love them. Well, Green Day, right, are the pop punk ACDC, aren't they? They're, they're, it's infectious well, yeah. choruses, it's, it's four chord riffs. It's it's simple catchy hooks with with sort of like, if it, it replaced guitar solos with sort of like, drum fills and Billy so i from screaming out of the top of it. The the root and core of why you like that band and why that hooked you in first is why many people got into A C D C on a different sort of spectrum, isn't it? Do you know what I mean? So Yeah, absolutely. I, I just I think I think it is one of the universally loved rock rock out rock albums by one of the university lovers, the universally loved rock band. This is iconic. This is and, and, and like I said, um there isn't a heavy there isn't a metal band alive. Um, that didn't hear ACDC, especially in the heyday, the 80s, 70s, 80s and 90s that didn't hear ACDC and were not influenced to start a band or pick up a guitar or, or try and write riffs in the same way that they did. You can, you can hear it, um,
0: chapter and verse. I remember, like it was yesterday, when we were at Slipknot in January and they played, uh, for those about to rock, by ACDC and you you went you you went to me he was like because there was a massive slipknot banner hanging in front of the stage and you said to me I know exactly which part they're going to lift that banner and I'd never really heard the I I, I knew of the song but like I hadn't heard it in years and I'd only really heard it like as a as like a backing movement when like my dad's in the car or something like that Uh, and it was just as the we salute you. And that explosion. And then the yeah, flag. The <laughs> like, your hands were moving. Like He was like, you're going to do it now. Your hands, like, moved along with the as they exploded up. Um, and that just, like, lit a fuse in me. Like, because Corey Taylor loves ACDC, doesn't he? Doesn't yeah. he? And, like, Slipknot are, what, 20 years removed from this album in 1999? Yeah, absolutely. And Corey Taylor, this massive, like, pioneer of metal for the 21st century. He absolutely adores A C D C, which I think speaks volumes for the band and what this record did.
1: I completely agree. I completely agree. The, the the impact of ACDC has spread over the last four decades and will continue to over the next four decades. Um and, and, and ACDC are really like they're part of pop culture now. Um like ACDC has appeared in like several films, movies, backdrops to TV shows. For those about to rock Thunderstruck, Back in Black, Highway to Hell, are instantly recognizable. Yeah. And uh, has any band beyond, mate, I, I don't even think Sabbath even, has any band done more for the guitar riff than ACDC? Probably not, mate. Uh, in terms of like its recognizability and its impact and the simplicity of writing a great guitar riff and that's what i love about this as well um i and i love I i like, love guitar based music as much as the next person and i absolutely love some of the best guitarists we have at the moment but sometimes as well i, I kind of enjoy kicking back and just hearing the simple beauty of some of these ACDC riffs um because it, it, that that's that that's it's it's rock and roll and it's it's pure adulterated form. Uh, this is, um, is marvellous. This, this is why it's up this high. It, it's because it combines the quality of the album, but also the massive influence it's not just had on metal, but also the culture of guitar and rock-based music overall. If you take ACDC out of, of music, I should have to think what the rock and metal world would look like, just without their influence on its culture and the way that it's presented and the way that it's written and everything like that. The, the transgression from blues onwards. ICDC have done more for the genre, arguably, than almost every other band. It's, it's astonishing. So uh, well worth its place on
0: the assist off health. I'm going to move on, Sam, to the brand new Crossfaith EP, uh, Species. It is out on the 22nd of May via uh, Unified or UNFD Records, whatever you would like to pronounce that. Crossfaith, like a band that like I always insist on seeing if they're like supporting, or they're yes. at a festival that I'm at. Have you really ever seen lot, them? Man. Have you ever seen them live? You have seen them live? I, mean, I think we'll. I feel like we've seen yeah, them live together. Uh, yeah, we saw them live together at Slam Dunk, and
1: I also Slam saw Dunk. them. I also saw them supporting Bring Me the Rise in 2013. Oh, great tour. Great yeah, yeah, I that was that was a good that was, that was a good
0: pairing. That was. I think they're like a little bit similar to Skin Dread in the sense of regardless of how into them you are, you, you will have a good time if you turn to the festival set or their supporting act slot. You will definitely enjoy it. Completely agreed. I remember the first time I saw them was on the Kerrang tour. They supported Limp Biscuit and they were absolutely brilliant. Uh, obviously, they dropped the cover of Home and fucking exploded. Kicked off, mate. <laughs> it was mental. Like, I think i put that just underneath break stuff. For the most chaotic crowd, guy, it was absolutely wild. Um, so Crossfaith, like, are a band that I've been interested in for a while, and I've always, I've always thought that you could give them like a residency slot on every festival in the like every alternative festival in the world because they will they will turn up do thirty five minutes, the crowd will fucking love it. Yeah, half an hour of Crossfaith is just brilliant. That's all you need. Oh, mate. mate, absolutely. So when I listened to this EP, I was like, I, I I took up running, so I was like, right, I'm gonna listen to this EP while I'm running. I cannot think of a, a more opportune time to listen to a crossfaith, a new piece of music, than when I'm doing like a fucking kind of exercise. Um, and I, I I listened to it and I thought, uh, I I I feel there's something missing here, like. I picked up on the on the big breakdown at the end of Endorphin and the massive yeah. chorus on your song. But I was like, I, I, I listened to it. I was like, man, there's something missing here. And I listened to it a couple of times in isolation since. And, and I think what is actually missing, Sam, is just good songs. Um, <laughs> because... <laughs> oh, you had me down the garden path. I thought
1: you were going to say something like... Oh, I think it's missing, like, the live intensity or something like that. And you hit
0: me with the good songs, like, <laughs> oh, mate, <laughs> fucking fair play. I thought I was a cynical one. This is you. <laughs> no, so, like, in- <laughs> Endorphin and your song are good. And, but I thought, man, the other three on, the, on this EP, are, are like, they're just not, not good songs. And then, and then I thought back, and it, it became quite clear to me. I've never actually sat through an entire CrossFaith album in full. I've never played a CrossFaith album and listened to it from A to Z. And something about them has just made me drop out after a while. Like, like I hear the main banger on the album or two. And then my attention span just completely dissipates. They did an album called Apocalypse, and they've got two songs that run back-to-back on it called uh, Hounds of the Apocalypse and Eclipse. And they're both fucking wicked. Eclipse specifically, it's got the sickest techno beat in it. And I love them both. But I couldn't tell you another song off that album from the top of my head. Yeah. And, and, and it became quite clear to me there's a reason why, why I've said that I love seeing CrossFaith at festivals and supporting acts, but they were in Wolverhampton two months ago and I didn't even consider the idea of going. And I think CrossFaith in an expanded time form just don't do it for me. And I, it, it's become quite clear to me now uh, it, it, it took this EP for me, to, for me to realise that and I'm not saying this is like a car, like a car wreck of an EP because it's not it's got two really good songs on it and the other three are like quite forgettable but it's made me realise that I think for me personally CrossFaith only work when you put the best 6-7 songs in a 30 minute time span and after that it struggles what, what are you feeling about this? Are, 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 are any kind of similarities to me there?
1: Yeah, my, obviously I'm 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 with you on this. Um this is um this is okay um but you'd have to pay me a lot of money to listen to none of your business featuring gin dog again.
0: <laughs> that one's that one is pretty rough. That's the last minute rough, that, the last
1: the last minute and a half, I'm gonna put that up there with the last time I was at a dentist <laughs> in terms of the difficulty it took me to sit through. Yeah, it's rough. And the last and the last time I was at a dentist, I'm pretty sure I left with half my gums on the floor. So um this is a great um I agree with you I think crossfire through good band in small doses this is like um this is like shots you know you can have like a couple of them but if you drank shots all night you'd fucking you'd throw up and you wouldn't enjoy it and your night would be ruined it's something you can have in like little bits and the fact that this is an ep um all right okay um apart from a few exceptions where the bands are releasing like a special song or They've been away. I've been on tour, and I want to just bring something out, or it's a song for a film, or something like that. Is a band bringing out like four consecutive albums and then a five-track EP the best indication of their songwriting capabilities to this point? Well, wow. I I don't think that it is. Um, I agree with you that that Crossfaith write two good songs every three or four years. I really love um, their cover of Almond, which is appropriate because it's a cover. <laughs> um, <laughs> but also, I love their song Jager Bomb*. Have you heard Bomb*? Yeah, it's sick. Uh, it's great. It's great. But could you listen to Jager Bomb* once a day for the next six months?
0: No. No.
1: Or would, no. It'd come on in a bar and you'd be buzzing. And it comes on shuffle and you're okay once in a while. But that's the thing is, I think Crossfade's style of music doesn't lend itself well to variation, but also doesn't lend itself well to songs that you can actually listen to all the time. Listening to cross faith would be is like, like you said, exercise is good for it, but like being active all the time. Um it's it's not you're not necessarily suited to it in the best way. Every you know you can't just you can't be like Sunday night, just I'll oh, just chill and listen to some cross faith. It doesn't quite work. Um and bottom line, I'm with you, um I quite like Truth of Insanity. The bit at the end of that's quite heavy. Uh, that little breakdown feature is quite nice, um, and I like Endorphin. Um, I agree with you. Uh, but if the fact that you've released a five-song EP and I can only pick out two of those five as like real highlights, and the others I could happily skip through, then that's not a good sign either.
0: Yeah, mate. This EP feels long, don't it?
1: Yeah, it does. It's to, it's half an hour at max, and it's like it might not even be that actually. It might be like fifteen minutes, uh, and it doesn't feel it doesn't feel fifteen minutes
0: long. Oh. Yeah, it, this is a, a struggle um, for me in some areas. And uh, uh, one thing for Crossfake, they still are quite unique. Like in the, very few bands sound like Crossfade, but like they've got that kind of electro metal. They've got that formula yeah, like yeah, pinned yeah. down. Um, and they've got this unbelievably heavy, intense production that makes them sound like really brutal. And you can hear Almost it... Almost abrasive. You, Almost abrasive. Oh, yeah. You can hear it really, really prominently at the start of your song, which is the last song on the EP. And that song's got a really wicked chorus. The vocalist, I think his name's Coy. Um, I, think, I, think, I think that's the right way to pronounce it anyway. He's, he, he's fucking great on that chorus. And I still really like CrossFaith as a band. And I'd still suggest anyone sees them, like, if, you, if they are in a festival slot. But this EP really doesn't do much for me, man. Um, and when I, when I saw this was coming out, I thought, man, EP of CrossFaith, that is, what an opportunity for them to just drop these five absolute massive bangers and me and someone just be in love with the intensity and the way they fuck about with the electrics. And... That's another thing about this EP. when there's an EP that's like riddled with loads of like different uses of like electronics and tech and tech music and I still find it really boring for three of the two songs. That's a bit of a fuck that's a bit of a problem. Considering yeah. they've got considering they've got so much to work with to throw at me. It's not like they're a three piece band that have just got a bassist, a guitarist and a fucking drummer and the guitarist does the vocals as well. They've got all these elements I can just throw in my yeah. face and try, and try and, okay, if the chorus doesn't hook me in, maybe this sick backdrop techno um, beat will get me. But they haven't got any of that at all. They, like I say, like, this isn't like a car wreck of an EP. It's all right, innit? two of the songs are good, but the other three are fucking high. They, they are a struggle to get through, uh, especially in especially of your business with that Japanese rapper on you okay, know that's a that's a bad one that is <laughs> that's bad I, I i agree with you so if
1: anything it's almost impressive that they're most of the this dull considering all of the options i've got available to them <laughs> um <laughs> um I'm, I'm i'm with i'm with you buddy this is not um this is not great um and i think crossfire on a side on as well um can we stop with the spoken word stuff where you put a different effect on the microphone because I cringe so hard,
0: I knew that wouldn't be for you, I knew you'd have every, that
1: every time, and it's got nothing to do with them as a band I, 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 as a feature, I don't like it, but particularly in this sort of stuff. <laughs> it just we, we, we interrupt this techno metal song for fifteen seconds of you saying indecipherable rhymes to me that I'm not signing up for that no one's here for that, um, but yeah, in general if you've if you've got all these options and still managed to not not make it work maybe maybe there's time for a a shift um but i then again crossfade the crossfade this is who they are and they're worth half an hour at a festival of anyone's time um but i will never listen to a full album of theirs unless you make me for this podcast
0: and then we'll fall out shortly after (laughs) I'm going to move on to something that I think is, will most likely be a lot more positive about. Uh, new Bleed from Within Record Fracture is out on the 29th of May uh, via Century Media Records. Uh, it's the band's fifth album. Uh, they went away for five years after an album called Uprising. I, thought, I think that's the name of the album. And then they came back with Era in 2018. Uh, Sam, let I think this is a really good album.
1: As do I. As do I. This is um, well produced, well mixed, well written, brilliantly put together, and superbly performed. This is um, the this is the archetypal answer to the question of Sam: What does good metal sound like? Yeah. Here? Small yeah. child. This is what good metal sounds like. That that it's quintess- it's quintessentially good metal. Uh, it ticks all of the boxes, all of them. This is really really good.
0: What I like most about this album is because i've been listening to bleed from within um for a few years i do believe this would be the first time you would have ever taken them in a large in- a digestion
1: as a as a, <laughs> yes as a full album this is the first time i have
0: taken them as a large digestion <laughs> they did. their debut record was called humanity and we've got a, a friend called will uh, will edwards the the first time i met will we are mentioned bleep everything he's like do you you like humanity i was like yeah i fucking love humanity Uh, and that album is incredibly heavy it's a daily record but it's really really rough around the edges in terms of like a songwriting now some structure and they've really really moved on from that because there's loads of genuinely good songwriting here in terms of how the record is structured there's a song called like Pathfinder, which you can go to if you want your really massive, like tasty breakdown. And then you've got like the title track, which has got a much more plodding, punching tempo to its structure. I think that kind of variety really helps sometimes because if this was a heavy metal record that did eight Pathfinders, I'd find it really monotonous and boring by the end. But this does this record fucks about with a tempo just enough for it to never stray away from being heavy metal but never bore you either if what i've just said makes sense
1: no i absolutely agree it, it, it varies within the sub-genres doesn't it? Uh, and it and it features all of the art, all of the archetypes and all the traditional song styles so like it's got it's got the thrash thrash based ones and it's got the slow ones it's got It's got the songs that start off with fast-paced lead guitar with, like, heavy rung-out choruses at the same time. It's got the ones with the pop elements to it. It's got the ones with the breakdowns at the end. It ticks all the boxes. I think um, the end of all we know, Pathfinder, the title track, Utopia and A Death That No One Cares are fantastic metal songs um, that really, really, really show off the band's um, ability and range, and performance qualities. This is reminiscent of a combination of albums. This is reminiscent of the Silos album that we reviewed a few months ago. This is reminiscent of the last As I Dying album that we reviewed a couple of months ago as well. Um it's guilt free, as I lay dying, actually as well, which is quite nice. Yeah. Um so overall I think this is um this is a really, really accomplished, polished metal album. I the only criticism is that it's it's very good, but it's not great that's what I would say. It's that, um, and I don't mean that as like a harsh criticism. It's, it's like, this is, you know, this is solid. This is a B plus. Um, and it occasionally delves into sort of a minus content at times, but this doesn't get me excited in the same way that say Polaris did a few months ago. Yeah. I've done and things like that. Just, it just lacks, it lacks a certain intangible something to take it from very good metal to great. And I, I can't quite put my finger on it in terms of when it's not there but you can definitely it's one of those things that you can definitely point out when it is and that's that that's the thing about a great album is that sometimes you just know that it's great and you can't quite explain it to the next person why you just like you have to just hear it and you'll know and you'll feel it um i don't get that vibe with this but don't let that take away from the fact that this is a a very 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 accomplished metal band um doing what they're doing this reminds me of august burns red album as well which i was a bit bit more pleasant towards than you if I remember rightly yeah but I still I still feel that um this is this is a really good accomplished uh, accomplished album that, I, I, that I've
0: thoroughly enjoyed just picking off of a point that you mentioned there about like there are moments of like a minus but you're not sure what you could put your finger on that could take it into great territory yeah. how fucking great is the opening song on this album the end of all we know yeah it, it kind of peaks like and that's what that, that chorus that chorus is fucking massive. It's, yeah. the best, it's the best song, in my opinion, the band have ever have ever written. Um, and I fucking love that song. And I'm not saying that they should have done another eight or nine end of all we know. So I literally just made the point of they never they don't spend too much time repeating the same trick. But I think maybe if they they added another one in or maybe two of the, that anthemic metal that builds into this fucking huge chorus that you can imagine everyone in the venue singing along to. I think had, had they have done that, maybe this would have got into great, great territory. Because I, 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 do, I, agree. I do agree. I think, a, so. I think this is a really good album, but it's not, it's not a record that would, would blow you away. They 've come on leaps and bounds from from where they were. I loved as I mentioned you managers because it 's fucking horribly heavy, but in terms of like quality of song structure, you could pick a million holes in it, whereas Ned they're like this quintessential, really tight-knit heavy metal band and I think that this album does a great job of taking bleed from within away from delving into different subgenres. and like you said they're like uh, just a heavy metal band now like a trivium or a parkway drive in the sense yeah. of they're, they're not like a deathcore or metalcore or tech metal band they're just a heavy metal band um and i think the parkway drive comparison is also apt because uh, scott kennedy who's the vocalist uh, his style is quite similar to winston's in terms of both sound and enunciation especially not the spoken, says- especially not the spoken word stuff
1: Yeah, I I agree. And I'll actually say, um, although I don't like it all the time, I didn't mind it here. No, the spoken word works here. It it, it fits here. And I think that it depends obviously on the context for the listener um, and that's perfectly fine. Um, I, I also think that I appreciate as well here that the breakdowns aren't just your base level uh guttural simplistic breakdowns there's there's some there's some breakdowns here um i think it's on pathfinder or into nothing where it's it's like a breakdown but it's an actual riff being played in the style of a breakdown like in triplets do you know the one i'm on about it's like
2: yes yeah i know know which one one you're
1: on about yeah Uh, and that's 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 terrific I'm, i'm all about that because that's that's a band saying i know that that's what you'd like here but we're going to do it in our way and we're going to structure it in a, in a, in a sort of musical sort of, com- uh, with some complexity, some dexterity, so it doesn't sound like everything else you've heard before. Um, also, a return of a guitar solo. Yeah. Like, Bloody, yeah. Look, bloody Hell. I haven't heard one of those um, for, for a long time in the last couple of years. That's great That's that's great to hear in modern metal as well. And not at a place or doubted in the slightest. So, yeah, I, I, I agree with you. This is a solid... Really great, um, really great metal album that I think will do bits for them in terms of their audience. Um, it's not going to be in like a top five or top 10 list for
0: me, but it's really, really, really good. I think probably the best compliment I could pay this record is that Matt Heath is on this. He's on Night Crossing. We haven't even mentioned it because the the record is great in so many other areas. as yeah, well as well that. that's a man.
1: great point. That's a great point. He's not the... He's not so like incredibly noticeable on it because the rest of the album is fantastic in its own right. where he's yeah. just a part of an, of a great album. I, that's a, that's a really good point. You're right.
0: Yeah. It's not like I'd pick someone who I know likes metal and be like, there's this one song on this album called night crossing and Matt Heath on it. So you should listen to it. No, listen to night crossing. Cause it's a really great song. Oh. And also fucking Matt Heath. He a six solo on it. Cause it's Matt Heath. Of course he did. And, There's loads of, like, beautiful, tiny solos in this album that, like, kind of tease you. There's one in uh, A Depth That No One Dares, uh, but the guitar solo just runs on its own just for a few seconds before the chorus explodes in. It's a a little small touch, but fucking works wonders in terms of, like, building the anticipation, like, thump of the chorus. And I think that this album is, is, as you mentioned, fucking really solid. It's a really, really good heavy metal record. I... I'm really happy for them because era came out and I liked it, but it felt to me like it was a comeback record where I've got no doubt, obviously, that they threw everything they had at the album, but it did feel a bit like they're kind of just figuring out whether people still give a shit. And now, now this feels like the album where like they've hit their like creative apex and they've gone all in. And if they can take the end of all we know, and move on from that and, and build in that into another two or three tracks of that style, like stylistic approach on the next record. The next record could be even better than this. And, and, I'm, and I'm a really big fan here. Um, there's a level of, like you said, sometimes I just want to sit down and just fucking have heavy metal and not try and pick apart them. It's, it's like, as much as I love Cold Orange. Cold Orange's new album Underneath can be a bit exhausting at times in the sense of like, yeah, right, the subject it was doom and then they moved into tech metal and then that's just, that's metalcore and that's hardcore and it's like fucking out like it's exhausting to listen to me and, and pick it all apart as much as I absolutely adore, for, would die for that latest album. I can see why, <laughs> I can see why like your average punter would be like, fucking hell, this is knackering, figuring out what's going on here. Fuck it, I just want something a bit more simplistic and this album absolutely delivers that uh, and I'm a, I, I really really like this and I'm fucking really really happy for them and also can we just quickly make mention is Matt Heath is just the best guy on earth consistently yeah, consistently terrific. promoting new metal bands um, consistently always happy to feature on uh, metal bands records and also um, Bleed From Within for Night Crossing the song, they did like a video for it where each member is like doing their part from home, obviously because of um isolation, that kind of thing. And then just in the top left corner, as Hefe Solo comes in, there's a video of him doing it in his bedroom, and it's like fucking our man, he's just the best guy. He, he, obviously, we don't deserve Heafy, man. Not only is he an absolute <laughs> sick he's not only is he an absolute sick, unbelievable guitarist. He's so giving to the community and the genre. It's a fucking man. What a geezer.
1: I agree. I agree. It, it, we, we, need, we need more people like Matt Heafy. And I hope that one day we can talk about the metal community sticking together to the point where Matt Heafy isn't just a, um, a lone wolf, almost, where he isn't like a sole person. we like, he's really great at that. Um, I hope more people take
0: up his example and his, um, his attitude brings us to the end of the noise podcast for me and Sam. Don't forget after this, you've got my interview with David Sanchez and then I'm going to be spinning uh, Life Won't Wait by The Nightmares to get you ready for their new track. Dropping on Friday called The Falling Dream. On the next episode of the noise podcast, we're going to be reviewing the new album from Currents, which are a metalcore band that I fucking love. So I am really, really looking forward to that. As well as my interview with Trevor from The Black Dahlia Murder. So make sure you still subscribe to the noise podcast in two weeks to pick up that massive. Thank you for stereo brain records for coming on board. Don't leave yet. Cause you've got my interview with David Sanchez coming up after this and then the nightmares to close out the show. We love you. Bye. So they're joined by David Sanchez, vocalist of classic thrash metal band Havoc. How are you getting on man? Thanks for coming on the show.
2: I'm doing all right. Thanks a lot for having me on. Um, I'm doing okay. You know, Things as well are, as you could possibly do. A, a little funky. Yeah, yeah
0: little I figured. Funky. You know, let's let's start off the bat with like a really difficult question for you. Um, what, what, what did it feel like coming through in the mid two thousands as a thrash band, and that was when like the wave of new American heavy metal like Lamb of God, Trivium and Killswitch was at its peak. What was it like being like a thrash band, which is usually associated with like the 80s and 90s coming through at a time where thrash wasn't necessarily like the in thing in metal?
2: Well, I didn't really care about being in. Um, still really don't. When I started the band because I wasn't hearing bands play the kind of music that I wanted that, that I liked, you know, that I wanted to listen to. So I started the band and started playing the kind of stuff that made me excited when I listened to heavy metal. So, um, that's still kind of the case. And I, I don't really care if it's fashionable or not. That's not the, the point. If I was trying to be fashionable and do this for reasons that are not just the pure love of the music, um, I'd be playing other kinds of music. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'm in the wrong genre if, if it's not for passion.
0: Was Thrash like Slayer, Megadeth, early Metallica? Was that where you got into Thrash or were you kind of more into the more underground stuff?
2: I mean, Metallica is the reason I picked up a guitar. I, I, I was watching live shit binge and purge and decided I want, that looks like a lot of fun. I need to learn how to do that.
0: <laughs> but you know what? That's a great album as well. That's a great place to get into Metallica. Oh
2: my God. Yeah. Uh, that That's what really inspired me to like pick up a guitar. I, I, I w- already was way into Metallica and loved it. But seeing like the live videos made me go like, man, that looks like the best time ever. And I want to learn how to do that. So I, I started playing guitar then. But, um, you know, I, I got into Metallica and Megadeth and Ozzy Osbourne and Sabbath and ACDC and stuff like that. And um, when I was probably 13 or so, I discovered Testament and Exodus and Overkill. And that that was pretty eye-opening for me. And this was way before, like, those bands were common knowledge. Like, today, they're common knowledge. But, like, when I was a kid in junior high school and stuff, and high school, I was teaching my friends who Exodus was. Like, they had no idea. They knew who Metallica was. But um, I, I was, like, the one at school showing kids, like, the cool old metal band. That's so awesome. <laughs> Um, and and some of it was from just luck of figuring out who they were, but I also did a lot of research. So after I got into like Exodus Testament and uh, Overkill, I I did research on the internet. I started looking up like, you know, bands that are similar to uh, Megadeth, bands that are similar to Exodus and stuff like that. And I started getting into all kinds of other stuff. Um, And that's when I started going down like the, the metal rabbit hole and became familiar with um, all, all kinds of obscure stuff. And, and I have a friend who played drums actually in Havoc for a little bit, but he also uh, drums in some other bands, uh, most notably probably Speed Wolf and Axe Slasher. His name is Richie Tice. And Richie really introduced me to a lot of obscure bands that I would not have known about if it wasn't for him or wouldn't have known about them so early. He exposed me to uh, violence and Uncle Slam and Forbidden, uh, X order bands like that. I kind of got an introduction to those bands through him. So between the internet, Happy Accidents and Friends, I kind of went way down the the heavy metal rabbit
0: hole it's interesting that because you know thrash metal because of the big four and the popularity of the big four and the quality of the records that came out in that 10 year period from 1980 to 1990 did did you guys ever feel like oh man i wish we were born 20 years ago so we could have been around in like the absolute pk day of thrash or has that ever really bothered you at all
2: Uh, no, because then that would be a really miserable fuck. (laughs) So you got to play the hand that you're dealt. But yeah, there's been times where I thought like, man, if we would have been around at that time, maybe we would like, you know, be more famous or maybe we would be, uh, you know, have more money from selling records. But who knows? Like it's complete hypothetical. We can't wish for things like that because it's impossible. But, uh you know, if, if that would have happened, there's no way, like, the formation of the band would have ever been the same. The members would have not been the same. Like, there's so many variables that would change. So I, I'm I'm happy to be alive now and exist when we do and where we do. I think we're really lucky to be alive uh, today. And I think we're all really lucky to live when and where we do. If you're able to hear or read this, Um, you're lucky to live when and where you do.
0: Absolutely, man. I I 100% back that. And also, let's, let's be honest here, Havoc have done tremendously well for themselves anyway, let alone the idea of being around in the absolute high dive thrash.
2: Yeah, I have no complaints. Every year for us gets better than the last one, so as long as that keeps happening, I can't really complain.
0: I've always found you, like, a really interesting person, like, in interviews and just, like, watching live videos of your stage presence and stuff. But, you, you know, you've been doing this for so long now. You know, is there much difference between David Sanchez, the front man, and David Sanchez, the person that's just, like, chilling at home and not on tour? Because I'd imagine you're so hardened to band life now that breaking away <laughs> leaving the intensity of the band behind when you're not on tour is that would actually be quite a challenge by this
2: point. Well, it's definitely, yeah, weird not being able to go out on tour when we have a record out. But um, me on stage versus me when I'm chilling at home. I guess I yell at people a lot more <laughs> when, <laughs> I'm on, when I'm on stage. Um, but, you know, the the on stage sometimes I'll, I will try to say uh, – something uh, important and transcendent or I'll try to be a little silly and make a joke, but that's kind of where my head is when I'm not on the road. Anyways, um, I'm often thinking about things that are much bigger than myself and um, constantly laughing at, at, at things. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) I think everything is funny if you really break it down. Um, But I love I love comedy I love stand up and uh, I find humor in a lot of things that people I think most people don't find funny, which is a blessing and a curse. I look like an insane person to people that don't find these things funny, but uh, I'd say it's a blessing because I'm constantly amused by things.
0: Have to talk about the talk to you about the new record. Um, like, kind of blew me away, man. Um, and I. I haven't been listening to Havoc for a massive, massive amount of time. In fact, it was only relatively recently, much before I got sent the album, but a friend of mine showed me and I was like, holy shit, I can't believe I haven't listened to this band for years. They're they're exactly what I loved about Thrash. But on the new record five, you've got tracks like Fear Campaign and Betrayed by Technology. Um, Kind of like a verb, like you'll be able to tell me, but for me, I've taken it as like, your kind of verbal attack on the digital age and the way that we started to consume information. Uh, Where do you think we've gone wrong as like a human race along the digital age?
2: There's uh, you could argue throughout all the annals of history that human beings have gone wrong um, all over the place, but we're still here and I think we'll still be here for quite some time. There's always things that we could do better. Um, But it's a matter of education and the education systems in this country at least i can't speak for other places i live here and know this place much better than other places but the education system here is not designed to make you a critical thinker and and make you um you know think independently and smart they they want you to be in my opinion, they kind of want you to be a little bit stupid and not think outside the box because that's more beneficial to the the system as it stands. It doesn't do the system uh, too much good when you think independently and think outside the box and uh, aren't willing to bow down to um, the status quo. So I, I think it's an intentional... Uh, uh, an intentional dumbing down of the, of the country. <laughs> I think it's, it's pretty clear cut to me that it's happening. But, um, like I said, I think we're super lucky to live when and where we do because, um, I, I say we're super lucky to live when we do because we have supercomputers in our pockets and we have, uh, we're, we're spoiled. We're completely spoiled. You can go to a store and get, uh, you know, all kinds of different foods and spices and whatever from all over the world for like a very reasonable price. Back in the day, there were, <clears throat> there were wars fought over salt. And, you know, <laughs> now we, we're here and we have all this abundance and we complain about stupid shit because we don't have any real problems. I mean, we, we do have real problems. Life is complex and, and we do have uh, the problems that come with that complexity, but If you take a a minute to inventory the things that we have that are good, there's a lot to be really grateful for. And the reason I say that we're very lucky to live where we do is, uh, I mean, you and I and people that are able to listen to this, even though we have it very good, there's a lot of people today on this planet that do not have it good. Absolutely. And that's why I say we're really lucky to live when and where we do. And it's just by accident of birth. We we didn't do anything to accomplish the, the 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 fact that we were born into you know uh, places that are not uh, riddled with starvation and disease. Um, yeah, I, my heart fucking sinks when when I think about that stuff. And it, but it's real. It's completely real. And people turn a blind eye to it and like to bitch, moan, and complain about stupid shit that doesn't really matter if you actually take inventory of what we have that's good and put things in perspective of the grand scope of what's going on in humanity all throughout the planet we have it really really good and the things that we um find difficult that you know not interpersonal things because those are always going to be uh issues at hand those, those are real you know conflict with other people or you know trying to work things out communicating with with other individuals that's always going to be a thing but as far as like the basics of of life and necessities and stuff we're pretty covered and when people bitch about like oh, the wi-fi is not working i need to uh you know finish this game or like mm-hmm. you know the power just went out and it ruined my video game like dude What a stupid thing to be upset about. If you actually look at what's going on all around us, that is such a nonsense thing to to be bothered by. Um, I think we need to pay attention to stuff like that. I think gratitude equates to happiness. And if you take inventory of the things that are good in life, you'll, you'll be a much happier person than if you only focus on the negatives.
0: I think there's a lot of things that Five should be praised for, but one of them, for me, is its variety. Like, you know, you've got the acoustic opening of Pampsychism and, you know, like, Interface with the Infinite feels like it's got the technicality of Dragonforce meets the low end of Pantera. You know, how important is it for you guys as a band to not feel like you're constantly writing the same thing that you've done previously, and to find new ways of invention that open these new creative areas for you?
2: I think a huge factor is listening to music that's not metal. We listen to a lot of stuff and take influence from a lot of different kinds of music that are not metal. And we basically throw them into our style of music. Um, we take influence from like classical music, jazz, funk, uh, punk rock, death metal, bluegrass, country, we take influence from a lot of different places and we kind of throw it all into our own style. A lot of it tends to go under the radar and people don't realize like a lot of havoc fans love funk and maybe they just don't even know that they do, but those influences are definitely in our music. They're just not completely on people's radar. And I think that's a huge factor for us, you know, staying fresh and inspired and a little bit outside of the norm. Um, because, uh, we, we take all these non-metal influence influences and kind of twist them into a metal form, into a place where it's, you know, full of, uh, aggression and intensity and energy and, you know, has that like dark, evil aura that we all love in, in, our music. That's one of the things that makes metal so interesting to me is it's not happy, go lucky. It's, it's the music itself, not the lyrics necessarily, or the imagery or whatever, but the notes that are being played are often so, uh, beautifully ugly. Kind of like the really darkest, heaviest classical music. Like there's something, um, Appealing to me uh, uh, about how just grotesque and, and dark um, the, the music is. That's why when, when metal people hear a riff that they really love, they scrunch up their face like they just, yeah. like something bad just happened. But it's, yeah. that's just how that music makes you feel inside. But it's a good thing, you know? Something for riff is so nasty or grotesque. It makes you scrunch your face up like that. That's a job well done for a metal band, I think.
0: You know, you've mentioned the music there, which brings me perfectly into uh, my next question. We have to talk about Don't Do It. Um, Final song on the new record, really blown away. Um, Longest thing you've written, uh, to my knowledge. Um, Amazing mixture, unbelievable tone, production, um, I was just a real left hook that I didn't see coming. To close off the record that I've absolutely fell in love with, I knew from the first forty-five seconds of hearing the track this was going to be something that I, I really like found a true connection to. Um you know, I'd love to hear the full story behind how that track was written because I, I just I didn't see it coming. It was such a left hook out of nowhere.
2: <laughs> yeah, it's uh, it's good to surprise people. Um, well some of those riffs that are in that song are years old that just never got used. And uh, in our riff pile today, we still have a bunch of riffs that are years old that just haven't gotten used yet. So some of that, some some of the music in that song is, is not new, but we finally got it worked out into a real song. And, um, you know, lyric, lyrically, the song was written because I saw a, Completely shocking fact that uh, children, um, you know, kids and adolescents over the last like decade, the number of suicides in in young people has tripled. There's three times as many kids killing themselves today versus when I was a teenager, and that's pretty that's pretty shocking. And I wanted to write a song to address that. Because I, I've, you know, I've uh, been in dark places before, and I, I'm I'm really glad that I didn't do anything um, so so drastic. Because I, I'm here to live to tell about it, and uh, life is way better now than than it was during some difficult times. And I, I'm incredibly grateful and glad that I did not do it. So. I'm trying to urge other people who may be struggling with, with those kinds of issues. I'm trying to urge them to join me and and not do it because there is light at the end of the tunnel. And, you know, for the vast, vast majority of us that are alive today, life is not just constant, endless suffering. There is good that, uh, that can happen. and, And a lot of it is up to you. Happiness is a choice, and uh, we have the choice every day of whether we want to have a good day or a bad day. It's, you can't always change the things around you, but you can change how you react to them. So I hope that people will hear the song, and uh, my hope is that someone who's struggling with mental health issues or depression will hear the song, and it will change their, their outlook a little bit if that happens. I, I will feel like the the song was totally, totally done its job, even if it only works with one person.
0: You know, thematically, the song is so progressive and, and creatively interesting. Do, do you think you would have been even open to the idea of writing a song like this,
2: say, back on Time Is Up? I mean, yeah, the openness to do something like that has always been there, but there was never like a the right lyrical theme there was never the right r- combination of riffs um it, there there was never like opposition to doing something like this but it didn't seem to ever pan out um but this time i guess like the the planets aligned for it to happen and and it does have a very long intro but that intro was um i, I think it, it fit the the theme of the lyrics and the the song so well uh I, I wanted to just keep it um the the song originally didn't start with that really long intro but uh in context i think that intro adds a lot to the song and it was really fun to record that because we got to mess around with like threatless bass and uh you know, all kinds of pedals and, and slides and volume pedals and all kinds of wacky, weird shit. So it was, it was really fun to, to lay it all down on a recording. And it's a bunch of tones and stuff that would be really, really difficult to replicate live. So it's kind of like a, for the record only kind of a thing. Um But uh, yeah, that's kind of the story behind the length of the song and, the
0: intro. I know that obviously uh, we're starting to get pressed for time, so I won't be keeping you too much longer. Um, but one of the things that I love about music is how it's completely personal. Uh, and like for me personally, I go back and I listen to the likes of ingsock and Circling the Drain on Conformer side. And for me, you can kind of see that the creativity in Havoc is starting to expand for me personally. That's how I see it. Is that something that you guys like noticed yourselves, that you were starting to become increasingly more uh, opportunistic in terms of where Havoc could go
2: musically? Yeah, I think we're just becoming more aware of what's possible because, like I said, listening to music that's not metal, I think really helps that mentality and that mindset of, of what's possible to do. And, um, yeah, I, I think the progression is natural and I, I can hear it as well. Every record, I can hear that there's, uh, our, 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 foot going, dipping our toe into the water a little further out, keeps happening with every record. And I, I think that's a good thing because those outside influences, I think, are what make our band sound like our band. We don't just sound like every other metal band trying to sound like Metallica and Slayer. We, we've we got a lot of our own flavour in there, and I think that's largely due to us listening to music that's not rock or metal.
0: You know, just to finish off, um, Five is a tremendous record that I have really, really fell in love with. Um, is Is the sound of Five where you always saw the band becoming, or is this just a capture of time right now? that may
2: change in two
0: or three years' time?
2: I think it's a pretty close representation uh, of what I I envisioned the band sounding like ages ago. But it it definitely is a snapshot in time. But uh, I I think with the next recordings and the next songs that we write, I want to expand the, the box out a little further still and try to outdo what we've done here. The the goal is always to outdo the last record and I think that yields for um good content. We're always trying to like outdo our ourself. That's the goal. We're not trying to be better than other bands and whatever. We're trying to be better than ourself yesterday. And that's pretty metaphorical for life too. I mean we, uh, we should all strive to be better than the person that we were yesterday. If we do that, we'll be successful in things that we pursue. And it's no different for life as it is for the band and for music and creating art.
0: Hey, David, this has been a real pleasure, man. Uh, I wish I had you a bit longer (laughs) because I could have spoken to you all night, I think, because I'm so so in love with a new record, etc. But I really appreciate your time, man. New record's great. Really happy and proud of you guys. Uh, And I can't wait until the the time I get to see you on tour, whenever that might be.
2: Hell, yeah. Thanks a lot for the kind words, and uh, I'm really glad that you dig it. Thanks for for taking the time. It's been a pleasure, David. Take care. You too. Cheers. Bye-bye.